Um, so guys, uh, what we're going to do for the next hour is have a evangelism E-squared panel, and our goal is to maybe just put the rubber to the road a little bit and talk about some stories and what some guys implement in their life in order to share their faith in the marketplace and with the people that are in their lives. And so up here we got um, Chris Wilsinski and Winston Parker and Kevin Devine. Yes, you are a part of this, as I told you many times before. Look on your face says you over So what I let me uh, let me start off by praying for our time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the day you've given us so far, and uh, the time with the men, and the teaching of your word. Lord, we pray for the rest of the evening that your hand would be mighty in this room, that you would uh, open our hearts and our minds to what you'd have for us, Lord, and that we would receive it, and that it would change us and mold us and shape us to the men you want us to be. And uh, we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. So guys, I thought maybe we could start and you could give a quick introduction. And what I'd like you to do is just um, quickly um, just tell us how maybe you... Let's go with a recent story maybe on how God gave you an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Kind of how that how that situation came about and how it went. Chris, why don't you start and tell us about Elliot. All right. Well, uh, one of the things that has challenged me over the years, uh, when you know, at these retreats, when you when you think about E squared, one of the things that God's word is pretty clear about is to be ready, be ready to give an account for the hope that we have, right, in Christ, and uh, and pray about opportunities. To we'll talk about a couple of things. I just wrote down a couple of thoughts about this, but. E squared. E squared again is the is the two E's. Evangelism being the first E, sharing the gospel with a man who doesn't know Christ, or helping them find out where they stand with Christ, or in the in the case of another believer, is edification. So those two E's. And you remember, Trevor said that really uh, challenge yourself, guys, to to consider that that's on, the only two legitimate relationships you have with another man, okay? And the first time I heard that, I thought, ooh, you know, there's a whole handful of guys that I'm not sharing the gospel with. I don't think they're, you know, I, I don't have any real good basis to believe they're in the kingdom. Um, and am I helping other believers grow around me? So uh, both of them are commands in the Word of God, right? So uh, Trevor asked me to share the story, um, and I put... Put a little article together. It's on the, the Young uh, Leader uh, website if you want to read it. But I called it Ministry in a Car Wash. And it was, I was with my older daughter. Uh, we just went through a car wash and we're getting ready. Our cars are getting ready. And this, this guy has a, uh, I'm a car guy, you know, from way back. He's got a GT500 Shelby that's getting ready to be dried off. And so, um, I walk up to this guy. You can see he's kind of paying attention to the car as they're ready to finish it. And I said, is that your car, and how do you like it? And he starts talking to me. And, and uh, 
I look and he's got a Star of David, you know, and he's got an East Coast, East Coast accent, you know, I'm thinking this guy's Jewish and, you know, probably not a ministry opportunity, right? Well, we start talking and, and uh, we exchanged information and uh, he asked me what I did actually and I told him what I did and he says, well, I, I, I'm, I'm looking for a new resource in that area. You know, and, and so we exchanged information. I, I told him I'd follow up with him. So we sat down the first time at his house, and I, I told him what I'm about. I told him, I said, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian man. I'm a family man. Uh, this is kind of w- the way I'm wired, and uh, I do this with, with, with everybody when I, when I meet somebody. And, uh, and told him a little bit about myself, and he tells me about himself. He says, well, I'm Jewish. I... Uh, came from a long lineage. I had 10 rabbis in my, in my family history. So he's Orthodox Jew. I always ask, if a, if a guy says he's Jewish, I always say, are you Orthodox or Messianic Jew? Sometimes they'll say, well, I don't know. What's the difference? Well, there's a, there's a big difference. You know, one acknowledges Christ as, as, as God and one does not. And I, I didn't ask him that question. But uh, so we talked a little bit and uh, he kind of zoomed in on the fact that I said I was a Christian. And um, so we're talking. He says, yeah, he says, you know, he says, I've, I've, read, I've read the Bible. And he says, I have a problem, though. He goes, I have a problem reading through the Bible, in particular some verses in Isaiah, and reading through that and denying that Jesus was actually God. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, um, I told him, I affirmed him. I said, listen, you're on to something. There's some wonderful resources that uh, challenged me. So there's a couple of books I picked up for him. I told him one of the books that really helped me was um, The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel. And, uh, and uh, Josh McDowell has another book, and I can't remember the name of that book, but in that, not that one, it's a different one that he wrote with a different guy. I think it's even a different one. But anyway, it has a chapter in there called The Jewish Factor. And it talks about how a person with a Jewish background really is well-equipped to be able to understand uh, the Christian faith, you know, with the, with the foundation that, that Judaism brings. So... I put together a, a proposal, a financial proposal for him, and in that proposal is a uh, an a uh, expected a life expectancy, you know, for guys and for ladies, and it's like 92 and then 94 for his wife. And he had a lung condition that was terminal; it was a pulmonary fibrosis. And so he uh, he says, well, he says one of the things you got to do is correct this age here, you know, on this uh, on this proposal because I'll never make it to that. And I said. Elliot, you know, um, yeah, the illusion is that I have less time than you or that you, you won't live to this age or that age, but, but can anybody really guarantee me how long I'm going to live or how long you're going to live? You know, all that matters is your relationship with Jesus. And uh, he says, yeah, you know, he says, I guess, I guess that's true. And uh, so um, I said, you know, would you like to? I always have this little Steps to Peace booklet with me, and uh, we're going to go through it here in a, in a little bit. That's okay. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, we'll go through it in a minute. But um, I said, 
I've got a, I've got a little resource that helps you understand right where you stand with God. Would you like to go through it? And he says, sure, I would. His wife took off right earlier um, as we were talking, and we're sitting in his kitchen. Went through this little booklet, and uh, and uh, at the end there, there's a there's a there's a question page where it says, uh, you know, are you here or are you here? You know, and would you like to take this opportunity to pray and receive Jesus into your heart? And he says, yeah, I would. I'm ready. So we go through, and right there in his kitchen, he prays and receives Christ into his heart. Then he walks me over to his like family room, and he's got this coffee table with this little knife collection and stuff, and he's got a little black booklet in there. And he says, I want to show you something, Chris. And he goes, uh, and it's like a book of poems and some stories that he had written and uh, some thoughts like a journal. And he takes me through this thing, and he says, I want you to read something here. And he had gotten a little emotional before. And, uh, and I'm reading through this journal. Okay, it's a couple pages long. And it talks about him searching for peace, and he's got something missing. He's got a tension, and he's not able to figure it out, and that he's got, uh, he's got something missing in his life, basically. And I'm reading through this, and he says, look at, flip the page over and look at when that was written. Or he said, this, this day was a long day, long time coming. And at the end of that journal is dated 1976. And so, I mean, it hit me. I just thought, whoa, I was 10 years old, and this guy was looking for Jesus. And I get a chance 36 years later in his kitchen, I get the privilege of, of walking him through and having him accept Jesus. Well, two weeks later, his, his wife accepts Christ. You know, we're sitting there talking. And, and, uh, and uh, anyway, Elliot uh, ended up passing away a few months later. He got a lung transplant. He got an infection as a result of the, of the after the transplant. And uh, I just talked to his, his widow a couple days ago. And uh, pretty awesome. You know, you just... And, and so... You know, I, I look back at that. My daughter is already, I remember we're getting ready to get our cars picked up, and I'm talking to Elliot, just having a little bit of, at the back of the car wash here. And she's texting me going, let's go, Dad, you know. I'm like, come on. <laughs> she's never done, your, your daughters, your sons have never done that to you. Um, and, and I'm like, you know, calm down, you know. And uh, so what's cool is now my daughter got to see that circle how it happens and uh, it's a cool story just uh, the bottom line is it had absolutely nothing to do with me putting a portfolio proposal together for him that was just a platform to have a conversation you know it had everything to do with me sitting with this guy in his in his kitchen and getting to spend some time with him over a, a few months and getting to know him a little bit and tell him what I know to be true you know so. and I think a great point too which you didn't mention but didn't you invite him and his wife over for Thanksgiving dinner right after you met him? That's right. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we uh, I, I, we met him in, I think it was September, and then I asked him what they're doing for Thanksgiving, and he says, oh, we're going to go to Buca de Beppo. Oh. And I'm thinking, no, you're not going to Buca de Beppo. I didn't talk to my wife about it. <laughs> I probably should have. I said, you know what? We'd like to have you and Joan come over to our house and join us for Thanksgiving. And uh, and he says, oh, thank you. And I said, I'm serious about that, Elliot. 
consider joining our family. And you get to, get to meet a bunch of my extended family. And uh, I've got some extended family. My brother-in-law is in the room here. Andy, remember meeting Elliot? And very cool. And Anyway, so he calls me three days later and says, uh, are you serious about that, that invitation? I said, I'm very serious. I still hadn't told my wife about it. <laughs> so, uh, um, she beat me like a cheap rug. Uh, no. Um, so they joined just, us. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's a... It's it's just a great thing that Chris took the time to invest into their lives before he took the opportunity to, to share the gospel. So it wasn't just a flyby. It was, I want to get to know you. I want to spend time with you. I want to open my house up to you. He made that investment before he had the opportunity to share the gospel. And that's not always the case, but man, does it speak loud. He, he, he sent me an email the next day just saying, this was a very, very special night to Joan and I. And uh, just us opening up our home, and I'm thinking this is exactly what it's all about, you know, just invest in the lives of people, right? So, thanks. So, Winston, how about why don't you give us a, a recent opportunity you had to share the gospel with somebody? Oh, 60 days ago, I, uh, I saw a little little card from a guy from uh, New York Life sent it to me. And, and it, it was a product that I was curious about, so I made the mistake of uh, sending it back in. Of course, he calls me on the phone, and we have a terrible time getting together. I'm traveling and so on, so he must have called me eight, ten times. And uh, finally he calls, and I said, all right, I'll be in town next week. You can come over at 1 o'clock and on Tuesday. And so Tuesday morning... I told Judy, I said, man, I am so busy. I wish he'd call and cancel, you know. And, of course, he didn't. He showed up. And just a young guy. And uh, so he laid out his program and showed it to me. And uh, so I said to him, well, we're, we're done with your message. Let me, let me ask you something. Uh, where, uh, where are you spiritually? And uh, he, he said, uh, you know, I don't know. And I said, well, you know, I was 32 before I uh, found peace and purpose in my life. And so I was just curious if you had found that yet. He said, you know, that's interesting. We were having a a training session last week, and uh, they said you had to have a vision and a purpose. And they asked me what my purpose was, and he said, I don't have a clue what my purpose is. I said, well, I got a little booklet here in two minutes or less It'll help you kind of discover kind of what, how to develop a purpose. So I took him through the steps to peace like Chris did. And, uh, and so uh, he prayed and received Christ. Kevin, how about you? Give us uh, I know you had an opportunity in your office recently. I don't know if you want to share that one or share a different one. It's always great to sit next to two evangelists when they ask these stories. So I, uh, I'll just go on record. I am not, I, I suck at Steps to Peace. Let me just, I, I have fought that book for 10 years. But I still feel the call of evangelism. And I, and I find that evangelism is, is almost 100% about mindset, just being available. So about two months ago, work was really slow. And... 
you know, we're in a software company, have a bunch of sales guys sitting around doing nothing, just almost never happens. But that was the environment I was in. And, and one of my coworkers who I've been praying for for a long time, great guy, I mean, just in many areas, way more moral than I am. Hope to be like him someday. Um, we're just sitting there, and I was thinking about, there's a little graph that's been drawn at these retreats before, which talks about midlife crisis. And I just, out of nowhere, I'm like, you ever thought about midlife crisis before? And he's like, kind of. I'm like, we got nothing to do. You curious? I'll show you what midlife crisis is all about. He's like, yeah. So we, we go into a conference room and just take over a, a whiteboard. And I'm drawing this little graph. And, and, the, and the concept of it is, as time goes on, a person's capacity decreases. But at the same time, life may, gives you more responsibility. So there's a point where those two lines cross. So I'm drawing out this graph, and I say, um, you know, most guys, when they cross this line, they have less capacity and more responsibility than they've ever had in their life, and that scares the heck out of them. So what do they do? They start offloading all of their responsibilities, like wife, career, and they start doing things that they've always wanted to do. And, uh, and I'm praying the whole time, but what I say is, if I found that the secret, what I said is, how do you know you're going to get through this without causing complete disaster in your life? And he said, I guess just being aware of it. I said, no, that's not going to work. I go, the secret is, you have to figure out what is important, really important about life before you get through it so that you don't, you don't screw everything up. And then I was just quiet for like, a minute and a half. And the whole time I'm like, God, let him bite, let him bite, let him bite, let him bite. And he's like, so what's important? How do you know what's important before you cross? I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. So um, I'm like, well, it, it, that's different for everybody. I have a Christian worldview. So I look at that from the things of what the Bible teaches, and I I, I place high value on that, you might find something different. I go, while we're drawing graphs, where are you at spiritually? And he's like, well, you know, my wife and I, we're kind of looking for a church right now. And I said, okay. And I said, um, has anybody ever told you why Christ had to come and die? That, I mean, it's such a weird thing when I first learned about it. Has anybody ever explained why that technically had to happen and why that's important? He's like, no. I'm like, can we draw another graph for you? And he's like, sure. So in here is a, in your steps to peace, there's a, there's a picture of a canyon. So I literally, I'm in, we're in an office building, I draw the canyon, and I'm just cracking up because there's such an emphasis in my company on learning how to whiteboard right now. And here I am whiteboarding the gospel. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know if this is right or not, but, and I say, um, you know, God calls each one of us a sinner. And that separates us from him. So he's on one side, we're on the other, and we try, try all these good things to get over there, but just it doesn't work. It doesn't add up. You'll, you'll never have a relationship because you're still going to be a sinner. No matter how many good things you do, you're still going to be a sinner. So you cannot have a relationship with God based on anything you do. I go, so let me tell you why this is important. This is why Jesus had to come. He came and he satisfied the price for my sin. 
He paid the price for sin, so that now opens up a door to have a relationship with God because God's holy and we're sinful. So if the price for sin is paid for, now it's possible to have a relationship with God. I go, but there's a catch. You have to believe in it. And I'm quiet again for like another two and a half minutes. And we're just sitting there staring at the board. I'm like, what do I say now? And he's like, so if I want to have that relationship, can I have it now? I actually said no. I said, because I, I said, well, is this a new concept where you can have you talk to your fiance about this yet? He's like, no, I think she would really want to hear this. I said, why don't you tell her? And I said, he said, well, can I do it anytime I want to? I go, yeah, here's all you have to do. Just say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. And I want this. I want what you have for me through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot more that comes along with that, especially when we're trying to figure out what's important in midlife crisis. But to have a relationship with him, that's all you have to do. And he's like, I can do that anytime I want. I'm like, yeah, you can. I say, why don't you go home, talk to your wife about it, and let's talk tomorrow and see what happens. So unlike these guys who can close the deal, he goes home, and I ask him the next day, I'm like, did you talk to your wife? And she goes, yeah, she really, really appreciated and enjoyed that. I go, well, what did you decide? He's like, well, we're not ready to do that yet, but we're still figuring out what church to go to. I'm like, okay. I'm like, it doesn't really matter what church you go to. You can go to any church you want. You've got to figure this one out first. Um, and that's it. So I didn't have the conversion story, but... Um, but I think that's important because, guys, you've got to understand it's not your job to convert somebody. But Kevin did what was required, right? Is he explained what it takes to have a relationship with Christ. And after they have the information, then it's their decision what they have to do. So all three stories these guys gave were success stories of sharing the gospel with another person. Different techniques, different styles, but the gospel was shared. And the people that heard it understood that they needed to make a decision, and that is the goal of sharing the gospel, is to help a person understand where it is they stand with God, and then after they understand what they have to do to have a relationship with them. And on your, um, in front of you, we gave you these top ten cards, and this is just a great little tool to, if God puts a guy on your heart, um, write his name down and just start praying for him every day. And when you start doing that, then watch for the opportunities to share the gospel. And then what we also have there are papers leading questions to sharing the gospel. And Chris used it, and it's been one of the best ones I've ever used because it's so easy. It's where, um, where would you say you are in your spiritual journey? I've never had anyone say, I don't know. They always give me some kind of answer, and it's a great way just to open up the topic of a spiritual discussion. And Winston, I'd like, um, if you wouldn't mind, telling us a story about um, one of the guys you had on your top ten list. This, this goes back several years ago. I, my wife and I and family live in Colorado Springs, and uh, uh, a group of men there, uh, we used to have a outreach luncheon every month, and we'd bring a, bring a, guy, a business guy in, and he'd uh, kind of share his life story, and then he'd share the gospel, and then we'd actually give men an opportunity to pray to receive Christ, and they'd fill out a little card, and and then we'd go into the offices and call on them and uh, try to get them into Bible studies. And so uh, a guy I knew in our industry, in fact, he was kind of one of the hot dog uh, real estate syndicators in our 
city at the time, and I, I knew him not well. Um, our social circles didn't run in the same. He was on the on the fast, fast track. But anyway, I invited him to one of his luncheons, and so he came. And uh, so he, uh, just as soon, I, he, he was just, I could tell he was nervous as a cat. He was just weaving back and forth, and just as soon as that speaker was done, I mean, he was out of there. I thought he was going to burn a path on the carpet getting out of there. And uh, so I ended up trying to follow up on him. And, and we still had a relationship, but it was kind of like this. And uh, so um, a couple, three years later, he got in financial trouble and, uh, and uh, had to leave town. So I lost track of him. And so it was probably, uh, oh, 10, 12 years later, might have been 15 years later, I ended up moving to Phoenix, and, or my wife and I did, and so uh, I was looking for a gym to work out in, and so I, I went in, I ended up going to one of the YMCA's, and when I walked in there, why, um, there were some guys playing basketball, and I looked over there, and here was this guy. I hadn't seen him in probably 15 years, and he saw me. And he stopped playing basketball and came over and shook my hand like I, we were long-lost friends. And I mean, in Colorado, it had been like that. And, uh, but all these times, all those years, I'd had him on this 10 Most Wanted. And I prayed for his soul you know, on a regular basis. And so I said, well, let's have lunch. So we did, and uh, sure enough, he, about a year, year before, why... Uh, Another businessman in Phoenix got a hold of him, and he came to Christ. So I would just say, uh, put the people down on those on that card. There's nothing spiritual about the card, but I got started using it years ago. There was a real estate developer in Alaska stood up and told the story of how he was on his fourth card. He'd seen over 30 guys come to Christ. I just pray for them every day, just praying, God, I pray for their souls. I had a guy, a younger guy, I got started, oh, I don't know, six, seven years ago using that. And uh, about three years, four years later, we were talking one day, and he said, you know, I just got to look at my card, and half my card has already come to Christ. Men, if you want to get into ministry, you just start praying for the lost. And then watch as God will providentially bring your life across their path to where, and when that happens, that's kind of a flag that, hey, God's doing something in his life, so you you meet him where he's at, whether he plays racquetball or tennis or golf or whatever, and you start moving in on him and just develop their friendship. And uh, I think sometimes we ought to do away with the word evangelism and just call it friendship. Because that's really all you do. We all know how to make friends. You guys that are in sales know how. You just build a relationship. And then you share the good news with them at the proper time. So, uh, but don't give up. I've got a guy. <laughs> he got in trouble financially. He was our biggest developer in the town I was living in at the time. So he's in Central America. <laughs> he had to leave before the government found him. <laughs> And the last, last time I was with him, we had lunch. And it, it was an interesting deal. 
the only thing he and I had in common was was politically. We were both <laughs> on the same. But everything else, and the last time I had I had lunch with him, he was just getting ready to go to Central America. He's going to get married, and he was he was on his. It's not funny, but he was on his sixth wife, and he. We used to have lunch every 90 days. And he had seen me and said, well, it's time to have our Jesus talk. And he would talk to me for an hour and a half about all the wonderful things he was doing in real estate. And then I got 30 minutes to talk about <laughs> Jesus. And it was the craziest thing. And he's still on my list. And that's been years ago. And uh, I'm not quitting. I'm going to catch him coming out in Central America one of these days. <laughs> Kevin, um, tell us about the guy who impacted your life and was instrumental in leading you to Christ. Give us a couple minute story on that. Yeah, um, Winston talks about these luncheons. I was in my early 20s and poor, I couldn't even afford the word poor, but I had a great job, and there was a guy at work there who was a Christian, and I didn't hold that against him, but um, he was a, I knew he was a Christian. He came in and he said, Kevin, why don't we go to one of these luncheons? Um, a guy is going to come in. He's going to give his testimony. He's a Christian, and it's a free lunch, and all I heard was free lunch. I'm like, okay. So I go, and I listen. I, I, I kind of I, I knew what to expect that the guy was going to give his testimony, um, and I could have just cared less. It just I had no interest in Christianity at all whatsoever. And, uh, but the food was good. I don't remember who it was, but I remember, I think it was like pork tenderloin like 12 years ago. So I really enjoyed it. And, uh, he followed up with me two days later and here's the catch guys. He said, um, Hey, what did you, uh, what did you think about the luncheon? Did, um, did, uh, did anything he say resonate with you? And I'm like, no, did not. Um, and I kind of shared my philosophy. I had some crazy worldview that stated that people were only religious because they were afraid to die and, you know, life's about living and dying and just get over it. And uh, he said, well, do you know anything about Jesus? And uh, it's an interesting question. Nobody ever asked me that before. I said, no. Now we're in sales, so he sees red, you know, he's a, he sees blood, so he's going to attack. He goes, oh, do you want to learn about Jesus? And I got every alarm in the world going off in my head because I know what he's trying to do. Um, but I also knew that I was ignorant on a very important subject, and I hate being ignorant, or at least knowing that I'm ignorant. I'm okay not knowing that I'm ignorant, but if I know I'm ignorant, that's a problem for me. Um, so I said, okay, I'll learn about this Jesus. So, and I didn't, I didn't tell him this, but my whole motive was so that I have enough information to reject him logically. And um, he's like, okay, let's do a little Bible study. Let's meet at the office at 6 a.m. once a week. And I'm like, done. I'll be there. And I show up at like 9.30, you know. I'm like, oh, man, sorry. And I, w- I, I think I made about two out of every five appointments. And he just, okay, no problem. See you next time. But it took about eight months or so, and he, he would just slowly start connecting dots on, on what the Bible said about Jesus. And um, it got to the point where I had enough information where I could actually start to think about making a decision. But it took eight months. And it took a guy, I mean, 
I rejected him. Not I wasn't trying to, but it just I was just lazy is what it came down to. I wasn't trying to make his life really, really hard, but I did. Um, but he didn't put any pressure or expectation on me and, and uh, just kind of rolled with it. And it took about eight, nine months of me meeting with him on a, on a weekly basis before I got to enough information to, uh, to make a decision to come to Christ. Yeah. And so a couple things about that is the guy who was instrumental in Kevin come to Christ was just faithful when he had the opportunity, right? Kevin was a big-time flake. But this guy was, was. <laughs> this guy was faithful, and when he had the opportunities to talk to Kevin about Christ, he took every opportunity he had. And how that got started for Kevin was through a Christian Businessmen's Luncheon. And on the book table in the other room, we're going to give you guys an opportunity. It's just um, if you've never been to a luncheon, I encourage you, pray for God to give you a guy. And we have one on November 14th. And we're going to give a deal. If, if you want, at the conference here, you can buy two tickets for the price of one. So 20 bucks, half price. Um, you have to buy, you get two tickets, so that means you have to bring a guy with you. And the other thing we do is, um, that's one avenue. And what it is, it's a tool. It's a tool to start the conversation with the guy. He gets to hear the gospel, and then it's an opportunity to follow up and say, hey, what did you think about what you, what you heard that day? And it's just a way to get the conversation started. And another tool we use is a poker tournament, and we're going to have one in October, and it's the same deal, um, two for one. So maybe you have a guy that has a tougher time getting away at lunchtime while well, the poker tournament's an opportunity. And it's a great, um, relaxed environment, and we, what we do is we bring a speaker in, and he shares his testimony, and then we have a lot of fun playing poker the rest of the evening. But again, the guy hears the gospel, and it's an opportunity to get the conversation started. And I encourage you guys, if you haven't tried it, give it a shot and um, watch what God does. And then one thing I encourage you to do as well is pray before you invite that guy. Let's put our, put our dependence upon God. I find that when I'm in my own world and not getting the focus on God, um, it just it seems like it's not happening as easy. But when we put that dependence on God, we pray for these guys, we pray for the opportunities, um, he opens the doors. Now, one thing I would like Chris to do is... Um, once you get that conversation going, we have a little tract that you guys have in front of you called Steps to Peace. And what I want Chris to do is kind of role play taking a guy through that so you guys can get an understanding of um, the, way, the way it works well, that we found that um, it's just a great way to present Christ to a guy. So, Chris, if you don't mind um, going ahead and doing that with H. Yeah, I asked H to be my uh, victim. Good. Hey, uh, you remember uh, last? Remember last time we had lunch? Yeah. No. Don't, um, don't worry about. It. I paid for it. No. 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 Hey, this time it's mine. Okay. Hey, uh, you remember last time we talked a little bit about um, your spiritual journey, and I told you that I had this this great little resource that would help you understand right where you stood with God. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. I brought that thing with me, and I thought if you got a second, we'd go through that. And, it, and this thing really helps you understand right where you stand with them. Okay. Go through that. Okay. Sure. It just says here it says steps to peace with God. And uh, what what I do here, guys, is is I like to just flip the page over and only and just have one one page. So I just kind of flip the cover over and have it just so the guy doesn't get ahead of you. And uh, and I just go through and I just lead in in reading through it. And sometimes a guy will ask questions, and, and sometimes they don't. So here's step one. H says, discovering God's plan. 
Okay, the good news is God loves you and wants you to experience peace and a purposeful, abundant, and eternal life. Um, and here's a couple of verses from the Bible. Uh, it says, uh, John 10.10 10 says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. All right, also John 3.16, you, you may have seen that verse before. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Um, the Bible also says that, uh, in Romans 5.1 that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so since God planned for us to have this peace and abundant life right now, why are most people not having this experience? Have you found that to be true? Um, yes, I know I struggle in a lot of different areas in my, in my world, yeah. All right. Um, I, I found that to be true as well. So, so we'll just keep going through this booklet here. Okay, and so this next section here is kind of discovering what God's plan is. Um, so step two here is acknowledging man's problem. Um, so God created man in his own image to have an abundant life. He did not make us like robots. Uh, to automatically love and obey him, but gave us a will and freedom of choice. We chose to disobey God and go our own willful way. The Bible calls this sin, uh, which results in separation from God. Okay, so God is holy and, and, and we're sinful, so there's that separation. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, here's a couple more verses from the Bible. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that basically excludes anybody from being exempt from this. I mean, we're all sinful. Um, and also in, in uh, Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right? So I flip this over here, and uh, here's kind of an illustration of, of, of what these verses are saying. Here's the separation from God. Okay, here's man uh, being sinful, and on the other side is God being holy without sin. Right? Make sense so far? Yep. All right. So we'll just keep going here. Um, through the ages, individuals have tried to bridge this separation in many ways without success. The only way our relationship with God can be restored is, is for our sins to be forgiven. Okay? Uh, in fact, the Bible says it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. Um, in Proverbs, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. In fact, there's only one remedy for this separation, okay? So if we flip over here. Again, here's man on this side, sinful, and here's holy God. Um, and inside here it says, man tries to span the gap with good works and religion, going to church. And I don't know, you mentioned that your background, you guys went to church a little bit. Yeah, isn't that how, I mean, I, I was always told that, I mean, I go to church every Sunday um, with my family, and I do... Uh, I do a lot of volunteering and do some good works. Yeah. Well, what uh, what we found is really that all of these efforts—the good works, religion, going to church, if you will, philosophy, being a good person, morality—all those things really don't get us there. Okay, because uh, you can never do enough of them really to be able to get to God, because we still have that problem with sin, right? Okay. All right. So. I'm going to flip over here. So step three is, is recognizing God's remedy. Okay, so God provided a solution here for this problem of sin. So when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he paid the penalty for our sins and bridged the gap from God to man. Jesus Christ is the only answer to the problem of that separation between man and God. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's not, you're saying it's not about um, doing good and being a good person and... 
That's right. Okay. Okay. And uh, in fact, you'll see here that that's the reason why Jesus died on the cross and actually paid that penalty for our sin. Um, the Bible here, a couple more verses in First Timothy says, God is on one side and all the people on the other side, and Jesus Christ himself, man, is between them to bring them together. Okay, Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So, in fact, God has provided the only way, and we must make a choice. So here's man, and here's God, all right? And the way is that, is that symbol of the cross and really Christ's death on the cross, all right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, Step four here is receiving Christ. So how do we go about this? Uh, well, it kind of explains that here. Um, you must admit that you, that you need forgiveness from sin and believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead. Okay, the Bible says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So there's nothing that I can do. Well, there's nothing any of us can do to, to be able to earn our way into a relationship with God. So the Bible also says, repent then and turn to God. Repent just means to change direction um, from, from our, current, our current direction and turn to God so that sins may be wiped out. The Bible also says, yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Um, and the Bible also says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So here's uh, so by receiving Christ, you, you receive God's gift of eternal life. So there's really two steps. Okay, It's believing in Jesus, that he is God, okay. that he died on the cross and rose from the grave. And then, and then the next step is really receiving him. So there's kind of a two-step process, Got it. accepting his offer of forgiveness. So H, would you say, based on, on some of the things you've thought about here, um, would you say that you're here? And I flipped it over here to, this, to, the, to the booklet you guys are following along. Are you here or are you here? And guys, you ask the question, and like Kevin did, just wait. You know, we have a tendency as business guys to, to want to keep talking and fill in the, those empty gaps. Just let the guy think about it and answer. Where would you say you are, H? Well, it's funny because I definitely know I want to be on this side with God, but I definitely don't feel like I have peace or purpose. So I guess by default, I'm, I'm over there with man. And right. That's where I was. And uh, so um, the great thing is there's a solution here. Okay, so we'll just keep going here. H, is there, is there any good reason that you would not consider receiving Christ right now? Um, no, I don't. Sometimes I think things can't get any worse, so I might as well. Right. Mine as well. Um, well, great. Here, uh, I'll, I'll just take you through those steps. And, and again, you know, admitting that we're a sinner and needing salvation is kind of the first step. Just saying, hey, I'm, I, I do have a need. I have this void. I'm, I'm apart from God. Yeah. Uh, be willing to turn from our sins or repent, change direction, right? Uh, believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and rose from the grave. And then through prayer, inviting Jesus Christ to come in and control your life through the Holy Spirit. And that's, again, the, the, the receiving part about receiving Jesus as, as Savior and Lord. Okay. Uh, would you like to pray that prayer with me right now? Um, yeah, sure. All right. So why don't, I'm going to follow along with you, and if you don't mind, just 
Sure. You know, and it's not really the the exact prayer. It's 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 more about what goes on in your heart. Right. And uh, but go ahead and, and read that. And I'll I'll follow along with you if you'd like. Sure. Dear Lord, I know that I am a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sins. I want to turn from my sins and ask you to forgive me for my sins. I now received your gift of eternal life, and I'm willing to trust and follow you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, H, uh, as you prayed this prayer, the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay? And it also says, yet to all who did receive and to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Um, and this is, this is a cool verse here because it really gives us assurance to know that Jesus is, is, uh, is with us. And it says, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. That's Jesus. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So when we receive Christ, we're born into God's family through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit who lives within every believer. This is called regeneration or new birth. Um, so, H, listen, it's a privilege to, to pray this prayer with you. And um, I just invite you to, to put, put today's date on here. Okay. okay? And uh, you remember I mentioned that there's that little study that, that we have where uh, we can go through that little booklet, maybe get together once a week and... And just kind of dive into God's word and, and learn a little more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Would you like to do that? With yeah, you? I, I would like that. Let's keep let's keep getting together on 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 Mondays for lunch and and uh, and I'm always buying. So all right. Uh, so uh, all right, great. Thank you. Guys, if you could come back up for a couple more minutes, that'd be awesome. Um, I was going to share. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Guys, I was, I, uh, as Trevor mentioned this, uh, this uh, panel and this topic, I just thought a little bit about it, and, and, uh, and I thought I'd just uh, share a couple thoughts on this. And uh, I asked the question, why is it, guys, that some of us share our faith and some of us don't? You know, have you ever thought about that? I mean, um, and, and I'm not really looking for answers, but it challenged me uh, when I first heard it, and I thought about it, and I thought maybe one of the reasons is I don't, I didn't really have a good understanding of the value of the gospel. Okay, um, I'm a business guy. I mean, I spent 30 years of, of doing business meetings, and um, you know, I thought about it, and uh, thought if I if I scheduled a meeting in downtown Phoenix and offered a million dollars in a brown paper bag to everybody who came to that meeting, there'd be a line of people all the way around the block to fill that room, right? Um, and guys, I use that illustration because the illusion is that a million dollars in a brown paper bag is more valuable than the gospel. But what could be more valuable to a guy that you know or, or a guy that you care about, right? So I think that I call it an, our accounting problem. You know, I mean, we just don't do the math right. And, uh, guys, for those of you who are committed Christians, uh, if you're like me, I wouldn't give that up for all the money in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's the ultimate gift is to have a relationship with Christ, right? So I just, I just say that just because I think we need to really establish in our heart and mind the value of the gospel. 
as the most valuable thing you could share with someone. And if God, as, as Trevor said, if God's in the conversion business and we're not, you can't screw it up. So the value of, of sharing your testimony, um, boy, I thought that was a powerful testimony last night. And uh, um, the cool thing about sharing your testimony is it's not refutable. You know, a guy can't say, no, you didn't feel that way. Yeah, I did. You know, you just share your story about how you came to know God, and, and that's all these guys do at these luncheons. Um, and then the only other thing I would just say is, as Trevor said, step one, guys, is pray for opportunities to share the gospel. God is doing all the work. We just get the privilege of participating. We just get to be part of the little, the, the part of the plan, and and, uh, and God says, uh, do this. Uh, it pleases me, you know. He rewards us for doing it. So, any other thoughts, guys? Well, I, one thing I just wanted to ask you guys is: the first time you shared the gospel, were you nervous? Were you, Chris? Oh, sure. Winston. The last time I shared the gospel, I was nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin. Four pairs of underwear. I was scared. I was scared. It's a spiritual battle, man. And be, yep, please. I, guys, evangelism is used to be terrifying to me. I mean, literally, I wanted to throw up. One quick perspective, if that relates to you, because there's there's out there's people in this audience who are good evangelists. I, I've met some of you, and you drive me crazy. One perspective to think about: if we really believe what the Bible says, to Chris's point about value, let me state what he said negatively. If there was a guy outside this door with, with a machine gun, and if you walk out, you're going to get shot, and you're standing where Jerry's standing, and you see someone walking towards the door, what do you do? You can say nothing, right? But how would you feel if that person got shot? What about another person coming through? All I'm saying is that the Bible teaches that hell is real, and if we believe that, then... We wouldn't want someone to walk out the door into a machine gun. But if we actually believe what we say we believe, hell's the same thing. It's worse. So that was a perspective that helped me to stop caring about what other people think and just try to share the gospel as an expression of love and care and concern. Yeah, and that's why the Steps to Peace is a great tool because... If you've never shared the gospel, and it, because it can be um, a nervous situation, a difficult situation, this just all you got to do is read. Just read. And if he wants to keep interrupting you, ask questions, just tell him, that's a great question. I think I have your answer, so let me finish here. And if you still have any more questions, we'll talk about it. Just keep reading and take him through it. And you'll find, uh, it's regardless of the decision he makes, it's so rewarding to be able to tell a guy how he can find eternal life. I remember hearing um, Walt say one time, and I think it's so true, that um, the gospel is the fizz in the soda pop of the Christian life. Um, without having an active, um, actively sharing the gospel in your life, your Christian life can be flat. But if you start sharing the gospel, man, is it exciting. And then the other thing is sharing the gospel drives the ministry. So you will have opportunities to disciple guys just by default if you're actively sharing the gospel with others. 
and focus on the gospel, and then the discipleship will come. And if you're wondering how to do that, you can. Lots of different guys will help you get started in that as well. Any other comments, guys? I would just and just the other, the other comment I would say is some of us, no doubt, have this thinking in our mind that you know what it's the pastor's job to share the gospel. You know, it's I'm, I'm not. This is not my calling. But you know what? Challenge yourself to think that, you know what, there's, think about a guy that you care about right now that probably doesn't know Jesus. He may not join you if you invited him to go to church, but he'll go have lunch with you. Offer to buy him lunch. Offer to just take him to breakfast or over a coffee and just invest in him. It's the most valuable thing you could do for him. Think about it. You can't mess it up. God's, God's do, doing all the work. You just get the privilege of, of talking about it. And I can't tell you how many opportunities, and, and I can't overstate the importance of praying first for guys. I was at a, at a retreat in Dallas uh, just a couple months ago, not even, a month and a half ago. And we left there, and challenged the guys to pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. And I did the same thing. I said, Lord, you know, I'm about to get on a plane. I love to have the steps to peace with me when I get on a plane, when I'm traveling to the airport. And I took three steps to peace booklets with me, okay? And I'm sitting, I got to the airport early. I'm sitting with a guy right like in this little airport, little restaurant where everything's real cramped. And the guy's sitting at a table right next to me. And uh, we just start talking a little bit and and uh, I said, where are you traveling to? He said, he's going to Arkansas somewhere. And uh, he says, what about you? I said, well, I'm I just, just getting back from a, from a men's retreat. And so I tell you, I, I, saw, I ran across a really cool resource that helps you understand <laughs> right where you stand with God. I said, would you like to see it? And he's eating a salad. And he goes, yeah, I would. <laughs> and I mean, the guy's right there next to me. And he goes, here, pull up a chair. So I hopped off of my table, and the, and the waitress is like, are you sitting over here now? And I said, yeah, you know, I was done eating. I sat here and, and went through the steps to peace with the guy. Okay, this is crazy, guys. Went through it. The guy prays and receives Christ right there, okay? I, his name is Justin, and I, I mean, I, I didn't ask him. for. I gave him my card. I should have got his phone number to follow up with him. But uh, I had the privilege of praying with him. I get on the plane, okay, and this is, I get on the plane and there's an, an Iranian couple that's sitting next to me. He's got bandages on his head because he just had brain surgery. And uh, I start talking to him and I said, I'm getting back from retreat. I said, uh, do you know about Jesus? And, uh, and she goes, yeah, I know about Jesus. I said, do you believe in him? She says, yes. And she said she was Baha'i, Baha'i faith, right? She had this ring with the Baha'i faith. I said, well, you know, um, she said, but there's lots of ways to get to heaven. I said, really, there's only one way to get to heaven. I said, I said, would you like to go through this thing? I'm sitting right next to these folks, and here's this guy, and he's the sick guy's right here, and his sister's with him. She, she's like his caretaker. And we go through this thing, just tears running down her face. And, um, and then we get, to, um, we get to the Phoenix airport, and... Uh, I'm sitting here. Oh, no, I changed planes. 
And uh, I get the third opportunity to share the Steps to Peace. It was like comical. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I got a third one in my pocket. Is it really going to be three for three, Lord? <laughs> and three opportunities. And, uh, and uh, so that's a hat trick. I mean, that's just, you know, how can that not be God? So, yeah. So, guys, it's, it's a process, and it's, it's something you just want to start taking a leap of faith Trust in God and seeing what He does. So, uh, hold on. Yep. Fellas, uh, there's an illusion out there, and, and even listening to, uh, to my friend here to my left, you might get the idea that uh, there are some guys that uh, it's easier for than others. That's not true. There may be guys that have the gift of evangelism, but we're all called to 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 evangelize and the issue isn't the issue isn't whether uh, we got a gift the issue is whether we're willing and and stop and think a minute guys how would you like to face whatever you're facing in your life right now and just take Jesus and the hope you have because of Jesus out of your life Anyone want to try that? That's what these guys are, that's what they're living with. They have no hope. No hope. One of the things that motivates me, fellas, is I was 32 before I came to Christ, and I never had one man have the guts and love me enough to sit down and share the gospel with me. Not one guy in 32 years, and I was in the church. Gosh, let's don't. These guys are hurting. They're, they're looking for hope. And all you got to do is just talk a little about purpose and hope and peace. And boy, I tell you, they're li- they're, 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 they want to listen. And we're the only people that have the message. And, and forget about all the techniques. Just be willing and ask God to just, and don't, don't leave home without that step to peace. <laughs>